That's Q Unique's One Shot Instrumental, the lead single off his first solo project, Vengeance Is Mine, released by Uncle Howie back in 2004. That was the first time I'd heard Q as a solo artist, and while I was always a fan of his work with the arsonists, this was a new way of hearing him. Over the years, Q has continued reinventing himself, from linking with Fieldy from Korn and recording and performing with Stillwell and King's Bounty, to going back to the boom bap sound with the brown bag all-stars with Black Coffee. Today is no different, as Q released The Mechanic with Beach Chosen by the one and only Vinnie Paz, as well as Medina Bridge, a rap rock mashup with Iron Mike. In this interview, we talk about Q's career going back to his nomad days, how releasing old arsonist music went, how Q stays motivated today, and much more. Make sure you hit the links to support Q's music, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and read the books. My latest book, the Chopped Herring Interviews also features Q breaking down his nomad days and how that led to him joining the arsonists. So Q, thanks for joining us, man. Happy New Year. It's great to catch up with you again. It's been a minute since our Happy last... Happy New Year. Thanks, man. You know, congrats on The Mechanic. Definitely an album that stayed in rotation. Um, looking at The Mechanic, are you happy with how it's been doing for you so far? I was... I was uh pleasantly surprised with the uh with the response it, it was the mechanic was kind of a crossroad for me because i wasn't sure i was going to put out an album this year uh specifically a hip-hop album and uh vinnie paz was the one that kind of like i don't i don't think it i don't think it was his intention but he kind of like pushed me to 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 get this one out how so? Actually, it was his intention. I'm, I'm, I'm tripping. Because he, <clears throat> we were talking about something, and the discussion about black coffee came up, and then he, 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 he segued from black coffee into beats, and telling, telling me that I, you know, that he wants to hear me on, on I guess, a, a certain level of production, and. I don't remember how I, I responded, but then he was like, yo, man, I'm going to hook you up. And he proceeded to email me like, it felt like hundreds of beats from different producers that he liked. So he like specifically picked from this pile of beats and he was just like, I want you to take from this. And, and, and for me, it it like, it, it was, uh, it was awesome because you know he he doesn't have to do that to me. I mean, we've been friends for a long time, but I don't I don't expect like when him or Ill Bill or one of these one one of these you know dudes that I've been friends with for so long do things like this. I I don't take it for granted. So you know it, it was I it was a, it was a nice it was an awesome gesture, man. Especially at this point of my career, it was a nice gesture. Man, so we can add A and R to Vinny's long list of talents right now. Yeah, pretty much, man. <laughs> pretty much. And did you find that he had pretty good taste in terms of picking what you liked? I mean, was what he was finding similar to what you would pick yourself? Not only did I find that he was picking things that that I that I definitely would like. There 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 was one guy in particular that kind of like when I heard his production of DJ Matt Bay, who, uh, when I heard his production for me, it was kind of 
outside of the way I was thinking. And I instantly like loved what I was hearing. So he, he, uh, he produced, um, let the games begin. I seen, and, uh, man, I, I, I'm, I'm, excuse my memory. Uh, I believe those are the two that he produced. I, I, unless there was a third, but those are the two that he produced. And, and if you like it, it, like with let the games begin in particular, um, like it was very different for, for what people expect from Q unique, which, which is my MO anyway, man. So, you know, it was, it was nice to get something outside of the box as usual for myself. Yeah. I was just going to say, man, it's funny you say outside of the box because it's like, what box can people actually put you in? Say, say that, say that again. I said it's funny that you mentioned outside of the box because yeah. based on like all the rock stuff you do and and how you how you've grown as a hip hop artist and everything like how could people really put you in a box to begin with? Exactly. So it was it was nice to have that 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 kind of new style of production accompanied by some other things going on in the mechanic. No doubt. So what's the significance behind that title for you? You know what's funny is that it initially started as the machine. It was Q Unique the machine, and the reason why I picked the machine was because when when Vengeance's Mind had came out, I was I was doing a lot of shows, you know, in in Europe, and here, uh, United States, and South America. When I went to Spain, um, I ended up doing a lot of shows in different parts of Spain. And the people, the, the people that were like behind the scenes working the, the shows, they would see my preparation for show, like my show prep, my show prep. And they kept on calling me the machine in Spanish, the machine. Q Unique is the machine, the machine, the machine. So I, I always held on to that. I, thought, I, I, liked, I liked that they saw me that way, especially for, for something like that, because I'm very serious about how I approach um, live, live performance. So... Fast forward, and and here I am, and I and I get to to, to this album, and uh, initially I'm going to call it the machine, and then you know, time had passed, and there their Conway had surfaced, and Bill Bill Ill Bill pointed out, he's like, yo, that that guy calls himself the machine, so you, you're going to have to change that because you know he's doing his thing and. He's been rolling with that, whereas you haven't really been rolling with calling yourself the machine. So I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. So I, I changed it from the machine to the mechanic just to, you know, not only keep in in the whole concept of, of either being a machine or somebody that repairs a machine, but also to coincide with the artwork that was done by um, uh, Nuave Arts. He's, he's a comic book and graphic artist that I know from France and he did the cover for uh, Black Coffee, and he did uh, this cover. He also did a Stillwell uh, uh, T-shirt back in the day, but he's somebody that I've been rolling with for a while. So he had already had the album cover done, and I, obviously I wasn't going to change it or throw it away because it's, it's an amazing album cover. So I, you know, I was just swimming around and figuring out, and I was like, let's, let's go with the mechanic. No doubt. And, you know, it's, it's funny because – You've always talked about, you know, this might be my last hip hop album. You know, I'm taking a break from hip hop. But it seems like the more you say that, then it's like your production actually increases and you, you, you come with another album. 
Um, this one kind of unexpected to me, at least, you know, it seems like you really can't stay away no matter what yeah. you say. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it feels that way. And it feels like the, it feels like the universe just won't allow it. And like, for instance, I, I, when, when, when the mechanic was done, I was talking to my guitar player from King's Bounty and I was like, you know, that this should be it. You know, I, I should be able to, uh, you know, kind of like take a little hip hop hiatus. And then I, you know, and then I had to think about it. I was like, wait a minute. I got a whole album with Destroy, my, my former arsonist brother, like sitting ready, getting ready to release. And I started working with Gore-Tex on a couple of songs. <laughs> so it's like, it's, it's like comedy at this point. It's like, maybe I should just either keep my mouth shut or maybe because based on the production level, maybe I should just keep on saying, yeah, this is the last one. Maybe I'll keep on churning out albums at that point, which is which is always a blessing. I, I don't take it for granted because I don't think it's easy to do, you know. So I, I, I uh, you know, maybe that's the formula that works for me, the pressure of saying this is it. <laughs> because, I mean, I still hear you playing with new flows that, that I haven't heard, whether through The Arsonists or Venge Vengeance is Mine. Like, it still seems like you're growing and you're experimenting and you're you're doing new things. Yes, yes. Um, and and going back to Matt Bay, DJ Matt Bay, he actually produced Thank You For Letting Me, uh, Let The Games Begin, and I Seen. So that's track three, track five, and track ten. And it's interesting that you bring up the flow thing because his pro production in particular uh, put me in a position where uh, I was going to do something different. You know, uh, the the thank you for letting me gave me a more of a a gapped out type of a flow where I just wanted to to make my point with the song and let the games begin. Obviously, gave me more of a bouncy type of a, a lane to, to go down. You know, so you're right. Uh, I I definitely um, have been. Uh, put in a position where I can experiment with flow, even this later, much later on in the game. So that's also an interesting uh, thing that's been happening, you know, from, from black coffee to this, you know, it, I've been maintaining, uh, uh, approaching things differently than, than I normally would, or what's, what's been normally expected for me since, since uh, the vengeance is mine days. So. And, Looking at that, I mean, what's motivating you and inspiring you to keep growing and to not just do the same thing over and over? This is going to sound cliche, but it's, it's for me and for a few of the dudes that are in my circle, it's, it's the truth. It, the fans, the fans uh, are so supportive, so uh, grateful that I'm still doing what I'm doing that you kind of like, for me, that's another thing. I, I can't take that for granted because that's also something that's not easy to, uh, uh, that's not easy to maintain. It's not easy to have. It's not, it's, 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 I think it's, especially in these days, I think it gets more and more challenging to, to uh, maintain people's attention span, to want to listen to an album, 
not only that, but to listen to an album for for a stretch of time. And what's what's interesting about the mechanic was the way things were falling into place. I was able to push that album for months, for months. Whereas usually, uh, you know, people put out an album, they kind of lose gas really fast, and and then the attention span drops really quickly, and then you're already on to the next. You know, I've I've seen artists like drop album and album and album and album, like 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 almost like a, a factory on a conveyor belt, and I can appreciate that. I, I don't I don't see nothing wrong with it. I just I, I don't know if for me that works. So when the mechanic came out and I was able to get the, this dude named Elise Farrell to, um, to animate the album cover, I was able to milk that. And then uh, uh, got a video done for I Seen with J.P. Braska. And then I got the, the, the video done with Ezru and Ill Bill for Cult Leader and Capital. And then I did some cu- a couple of little video clips for uh, you know me with with the Spider-Man video game, and then I did let the games begin with video game getting smashed. But this was all in the course of months. So the album came out July 18th, and I didn't stop pushing the album till like I don't know last week. So that's for 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 today's hip hop. That's not easy to do, and I, I you know I, I can't. So the fans because they're paying attention and the, and and the they're, they're making the purchase. They're buying the vinyl. You know, we, I, I did the first time I ever did vinyl on my own, and it sold out, like 200 pieces. That's it. It's gone. You know, uh, the CDs, the first printing when I put them out, sold out quickly in, in, in a matter of days. You know, went out with Vinnie Paz for, for a week with Jedi Mind Tricks and opened up a Jedi Mind Tricks, sold mad CDs on the road. So when you get that kind of support, that that's what kind of keeps you ahead in the game. It, it keeps you uh, wanting to continue to to uh, you know doing this. That 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 it's the fans, you know. And then secondly, obviously, I have a love for music. I love making music, and you you know me. Uh, I'll I'll do any kind of music at this point. But obviously, my roots are in hip hop, and I respect that. And I love it. I love hip hop. You know. From the perspective, from my own perspective, I can't say that I'm a fan of everything that's going on, but I don't hate it, you know. So, and what was it like touring on the road too, and, and being on the road this summer with Vinny and everybody you're on the road with, and that whole experience? Anything crazy happen? Nothing crazy happened. What was awesome was first a. This was the first time I went on the road with Vinny, and I've known Vinny for a long time, so it it was. It was awesome to get this opportunity. So that, and to be able to perform in front of a full house every night. I mean, you, you can't ask for anything more than that. Like I, me personally, I wish, I wish, I wish the tour was for a year. You know, when, when, when something's flowing that well and every, all the pieces are working and everybody involved is on point and everybody's happy and having a good time and the crowds are great, the fans are great. So, you know, you never want something like that to end. And and what was interesting about this, this, I wouldn't say this is crazy, but what was interesting was, and I don't know how these things happen, but there were times where I would get off stage, my, my whole routine was performed and get off stage, go to the booth where we were selling CDs and sell my own, you know, so, 
sell my own stuff and, and meet the people and talk to them. So I, uh, there were a few times where people were acting as if I was a new artist, maybe, you know, like they didn't know who I was and I was fine with that. I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit about that, but it was just, it was interesting to me. You know what I mean? Because it, it, it still shows you that there's ground to cover. You know, I'm, I'm never like bummed out about shit like that because they were still buying the CD. They were still giving me props. They were still wishing me well on my career. And I was like, Hey, thanks, man. And you know, they, they didn't know. They really, they genuinely didn't know that, you know, about arsonists or my, this, this, this long career that I've had thus far. So it was, that was interesting on the tour. So. Man. So, so demographically, how do you see your fan base changing? I don't, you know what? I don't even know if I even paid attention to it in that manner. I think I looked at it more numerically because that's what the system has become. Everything is numbers. So I, uh, I see a jump in the streams, you know, on Spotify, on, on, on Apple Music and all that. I, I definitely saw a jump in the, in, in the streams as far as the mechanic is concerned. So it, 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 it took, took me from like a, if you pretend to have like a graph a bar graph whatever it is you'll just see it's uh, move upwards and and it was a blessing because you know what when 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 you're in a place when you're at a crossroad as a musician and you don't know if you're going to do something and then you take a chance and you do it anyway and then the results are way better than what you anticipated or maybe you didn't anticipate anything at all and the results are great that's a blessing man so numerically, it, it was a nice jump in the streams, a nice, significant jump in the streams. That's awesome. And follows and likes and stuff like that. That that's that's how I'm looking at it. Like, you know, like what before I went on tour with Vinny, I think my Instagram was at like I don't know, want to say eight thousand, and now it's jumped up to twelve point six k. So that that's pretty significant, man. That's you know that that's pretty ill, you know. I, and I appreciate all of that. Yeah, and I think before it used to just be like you know. I remember a few years ago, it was just like oh, social media, like it's all fake. Who cares, you know? But more and more and more, I mean, it's becoming like the primary way to promote, to make money, to let fans know what's going on. Like it's really it is it is it works. Yeah, it's the primary way. That's it. It's like what you said. It, it is the primary way. Because in the case of underground hip-hop, for, for, for an artist like you, Unique, now we're just talking about hip-hop, we're not talking about rock. It's hard for me to get a tour. It's not easy. That's, that's a super challenge. Very, very, very challenging for me to get a tour. Um, and I'm not in a position where I can headline a big tour. So... What's, what's my next thing? Social media. I, I have to do the live feeds and I have to post uh, once a day on Instagram and, and try to keep uh, Facebook interesting. Uh, and I got to figure these things out in order to maintain some sort of uh, momentum to the brand, for the Q Unique brand. So, No doubt. And, you know, if, if you look at the album, this is really the first time that I've ever heard you address your brother and tell part of his story. You know, 
was that hard for you to get personal and and what made you decide to open up about that now i'm coming more and more to terms with the issues in my family uh making a lot of late discoveries on our, our family structure how things happen, why they happen. And with my brother, I think that when you're missing someone and, and you're, you know, years have passed, it gets easier and easier to discuss. And now, I don't think it'll ever be 100% easy. That I doubt. Especially because he was, you know, he was my younger brother and we were close. I don't think it'll ever be 100% easy, but it's definitely a, a, a lot. Um, it's it's a lot easier for me to reflect and simultaneously use it as a life lesson, which is crazy, you know. Because when you watch somebody when when their lives spin out of control, it becomes like this do do's and don'ts checklist for life. And uh, unfortunately for me, it's, it's my brother teaching me this life lesson. You know, I, I, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone. You know, what, when people say, hey, man, life is short. Yeah, and my, my, my response to that is, yeah, I know. My brother died 36 years old. My cousin died 17. So, yes, I know. Life, life is, is short. It is. It really is. So I think that's another reason why I had... 2018 was such a productive year because really, if we look back in January, I, I like half asked a release called momentum. So I just dropped that and I, I made it public and I put it out. Right. That was a hip hop joint. Then we did the mechanic in July, July 18th on my brother's birthday. I did that very specific. I wanted it to be released on his birthday, July 18th. And then in the fall, we released Medina Bridge, the rap rock album that I did with Iron Mike. So it was an extremely productive year, and, and a lot of that is based on watching my brother's life go so fast and knowing that, 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 that expression of life is short and wanting to, to continue to put as much product out there as I possibly can. I, it's interesting. I, I know this is well, way, way off the mark, but I was watching the, the David Bowie uh, documentary called The Last Five Years, and you watch this guy, this icon, this, this cultural icon, this music icon, and as he got closer and closer to the end of his, of his life, and he knew he, knew he, was, he was leaving, which is, which is crazy in itself, he ended up pushing out more music and he did a Broadway play and he, you know, he just kept on going. He didn't let it stop him. And that speaks a lot to me. So that, that's where my mind is at to be super productive. And looking at that. And that's how my brother, that's how my, excuse me. Looking at that, how, how much are you thinking Again? about, your, how much are you thinking about your legacy as you create? Not a lot, man. Not a lot because I'm not satisfied. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not satisfied. I'm not. I'm not where I want to be. Like I, I, I don't take for granted where I am because it could be worse. But 
I'm not where I want to be yet. So I have a lot more work to do. And uh, I, I, that that kind of like limits me looking at legacy. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't really get the time to celebrate much. I don't really put much stock into that. It was actually surprising that there's this radio station called Bushwick Radio where they they gave me an award for the mechanic this year, and that was the first time anything like that ever happened to me in my in my career, and and and, and it was overwhelming. I felt my I found myself getting choked up on the air because I excuse me I didn't expect it, so. Even with that, like I, I, I got the award, we, we talked on on the air, and we celebrated a little bit there, and then you know, next day back to business, you know, back to songwriting and and King's Bounty and whatever else crossed my path, you know. So I, I, I'm just not there yet. I'm not there yet. No doubt. That that's awesome. Congrats on that. Was that with Finsta? Yes, he he's one of the guys on, on the station. Yep. Yeah, which is a really cool segue because you and Finsta were both interviewed for the Chopped Herring book that um, I did with Bob Lippich over at Chopped Herring. And we talked a lot about your Nomads project and just the Nomads time, which was, for those who don't know, your career and your the move after CNC Music Factory but before Arsonists. So what's it like having that Nomads yeah. music out and even just looking back on the Nomads and really – reminiscing and, and analyzing it from your perspective today. That was an awesome feeling to get that out. And <clears throat> for, for more personal reasons, because, because the nomads is such a, a, a weird and beautifully tragic story. So it makes that particular album, that EP coming out, it makes it, it, it puts a, a, a somewhat of a, I don't know what the right word is, but it puts somewhat of a, a, a nice ending to the whole thing because it was, a, a, you know, the, my fellow bandmate in the Nomads, my, my group member, uh, Beretta, the other MC, he passed away right before the EP came out. And, you know, uh, our, our first DJ, DJ Mel Ice, passed away. And the other producer, Groovy Lou, he's been MIA for over a decade. So it's such a strange story in itself. But to, for Bob to to release that album, I mean, I mean you know, I, I can't say enough about Chopped Herring and being connected in that way of, of somebody taking a part of my history that, you know, has such mixed feelings and, and making it, putting it in a, in a beautiful place where I can... That I could look at because there's so much story behind that that group that I could look at that fondly that 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 EP and be like, we did it, you know, we 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 crossed the finish line. We came in dead. <laughs> I don't mean to use the word dead last, but we came in so far last place with <laughs> the situation, but um, we got it past the finish line, and and that that means a lot. And I mean, you just think of all the stories from that time period that will never be told because of of different struggles or because the music doesn't exist anymore and people moved or it got destroyed or lost in studios so i mean even just the fact that it's coming out is amazing in and of itself yes 
exactly. It's it's and and you know what else? When when there's a moment in your life, right, where where you know you struggled hardcore, right? And especially for that story, it's like we struggled roughly during that whole time of recording those songs. It, it was a rough time. It was it was a rough time for us. It was a rough time in New York. It, it was a rough time. And when you, like, as I moved on to The Arsonist and, and, and then Vengeance is Mine, you know, you put it further further in the back of your mind and, and, you, and you, you, you forget about it and you let go. And the only time I, before Bob stepped to me, you know, I, I did the, the throwback release that I put out on iTunes and all of that. And that was the only time I revisited the whole story. And then again, I forgot about it again. And then Bob calls me and he wants to press it. And, and that, that, that made it, that made it more beautiful to me. When, when you have an outsider who can appreciate what it is, dig, dig the sound, you know, knows that there's a history there and he's willing to, to, to be a part of it. I mean, that, that, that speaks volume, man. Period. Definitely. And someone else who has definitely been in your corner for years is Ill Bill going way back to Vengeance is Mine and you guys working at Fat Beats together. Yeah. And you guys are still working together. Working with Ill Bill for me at this point is uh, I wish there was a, a stronger word than awesome at this point because it's like to be able to have that I think to be able to have chemistry with certain people in your life that whenever you got, whenever you get to do a song with that person and the feedback is always, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, we, we have a catalog together from, from vengeance is mine all the way up until now where we've, we've collaborated on so many songs and the majority of the time, people are just, they love it. They love the chemistry. They love the flow. They love everything about it. And for me, when you, when you work with somebody for that long and, and, he, and he ends up becoming a, you know, a close friend to the point where you feel like your brother is, it's like, again, I keep on using the phrase a lot, but it's another thing you just can't say for granted because not everybody gets that. Not everybody gets that opportunity. And to me, Bill... At this point, when you talk about legacy, he's definitely one of the, the best lyricists of, of, of the era that he and I and LP and Natural Elements and, and uh, the Juggernauts and, you know, all of these people that, that came from this area, he's one of the best to come out of that era. And he still holds it down today. So it's like, you know, he's to me, he's a lyrical powerhouse. The way his brain works, you know, I marvel at it because I've known him for so long. And when we sit down and we're trading verses and we're listening to each other, he, he's, he's ridiculous. He's, he's, he's the real deal. Like when it comes to lyricism, he's up there, you know. And I think that people sometimes, they get it, they, they let either skin color or whatever, they let that always get in the way. And it's like... You know, when you when you can get past your your little insecurities and your little prejudices and 
all the other stupidity things that you guys are judging. And if you just shut up and just listen for a second, you're going to hear something magnificent. That guy, everything that comes out of his brain to me is ridiculous in, in, a, in, in an incredible way, man. He's, he's definitely one of the top dudes I've ever heard. So, and, and I'm not even being biased. He is. He just is. His fans know it. People who listen know it. And that's that. So when you work with him, how do you do you do anything different with your verse? I mean, how do you how do you write knowing you're going on a track with Ill Bill? Like, well, how do you prepare for that? It's a no nonsense situation, man. I, I know with him, it's interesting because I have a very awkward style. You know, it's 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 unorthodox. And next to him, he's to me, he's like lyrically, it's like. The odd couple, Felix and Oscar Madison, you know, it's like he's very lyrically tight and neat and calm and compressed and compact. And it, it sits beautifully in the beat and, and he's got great rhythm and, and flow patterns and, you know, the, 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 the vocabulary and what he's talking, the content. And mine's is more of a I always feel like I'm like the kid with the crayon that, that colors outside the lines. And 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 I'm, you know, I'm saying you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep up to say as, as to keep it as aggressive as he's keeping it, you know, so that there's a cohesiveness with what we are doing, you know, because it has to be, it has to be. he said, he sets a tone, he sets a particular tone that a lot of people appreciate. And I, and I love to be a part of that, you know, when, when I'm working with him, you know, so. No doubt. What artists do you find that you work with really challenge you and push you the hardest today? Because you you work with so many. You know, you look at King's Bounty, you look at Fieldy and everything. Like, who really pushes you creatively today? Today, King's Bounty, working with my guitar player, Mike Dijon, he, uh, he not only does he push me, but he's an encourager. And what I mean by that is, is that his attitude when working with me is the sky's the limit. The moon's the limit, you know, like go for a kid, you know, and, and that's empowering. That's empowering because even though at this point I've been singing now for well over 10 years, I still kind of get into a place of uncertainty. I think I still get like that with hip hop too, but a lot more with singing. And when I'm working with Mike, his attitude is like, fuck it, you're, 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 you're amazing. That's his attitude towards me. And, and that's so empowering and so encouraging that it, it pushes me to give these, these performances that he and I are both happy with. But at the same time, he challenges me because he's not, a, he's not a yes man. He's not a yes man. He'll, He'll go in and we'll work together and we'll find a common ground. So it's it's an interesting combination of being an encourager and not being a, a yes man to everything that I do. So it's 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 an awesome combination and it, it, he's awesome to work with. I mean, you know, I, I love I love what we're doing with King's Bounty. It's exciting. Uh, you know, we're 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 setting it off in February. We're, we're working with Strong Entertainment. Uh, the, the people that manage Kill Switch Engage and a few other big bands and, and they're putting out a few of our songs. 
through the orchard. So, it, you know, we're really excited right now. It's, 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 it's an awesome time for King's Bounty, and we got a lot of work to do, but we're really excited. Yeah, so- and so right now, he definitely, currently he pushes me the most. And you also got your son making music now too. Like he's choosing to go that route. So how do you work with him and yes. and encourage him and, and give him advice without being too over that overbearing dad, you know, where like, come on, dad, let me just do my thing. Like, how do you balance that? I balance it because I, I understand and respect my son's musicality level. He, he's, <clears throat> his, his instrument skill is far beyond mine. The kid, the kid plays four instruments well, you know. Now, when I say well, I'm, I'm not saying that he's like uh, Eddie Van Halen with a guitar when he could play and he could write. He could, he could write songs, which is the most, to me, that's what's important. Can you write a song? Good. You know how to come up with really cool riffs? Great. So I already respect that coming from my son. So I don't, I, I don't find myself being too overbearing with that when when he's putting the song together i could be a little more strict where i'm like this works this doesn't work you know shift this around and sometimes you know when when you when you're messing around with somebody else's artwork they you know it could get a little tense but for the most part he understands that 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 i'm out for his i'm, I'm out for him to be the best that he could be so he understands that he's not you know he's he's not a baby he un- he understands what it is. And he, he's smart enough to look at my career and say, well, he's kind of got an idea of how to do this, so I'm going to listen. So that, that's, that's the whole approach. That's pretty awesome. Has that always been your philosophy with parenting as well? Yes. I, uh, with my son, I believe that with children, you got to kind of show them respect. You, you got to know where the fine line is between goofing off and showing respect. Um, you got to be humble. This, this is what worked for me. You got to be humble enough to, to, to know when you make a mistake and, and to face your child and, and apologize and let them know you made a mistake. You got to be firm when there's a commitment made, like in the case of my son, uh, He's been doing jujitsu for a little over 10 years now. Now, if I wasn't firm in commitment and I let my child run the show, that would have never have happened. Because to me, in my opinion, most people seem to think that children could decide what their paths are at an early age. And maybe there's one or two kids in, in, a, in, a, in a series of 10 that qualify for that kind of intuition. But to me, I don't think that a child is capable of, of making life decisions or commitment decisions at an early age. So I think as a parent, you kind of got to be there to walk them along. You got to be a, a life guide, tour guide, you know, you, you that's how I see it. You know, they, they, they don't, they're just getting all this information for the first time. Whereas as a parent, you've already been around, especially uh, somebody like me or Ill Bill or Big Paz, where we've traveled the world, we've been to different cultures and, and, and spent time, you know, significantly <laughs> a lot of time all over the place and, and dealing with the worst of the worst and the best of the best. You know, there's a lot of experience and wisdom in that. So 
I'm able to channel that and, and give it back to my son and, and, and he gets it, you know, he, 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 he respects it. He understands it. Now that doesn't make him perfect. He's not perfect by any means, but he's a great kid, you know, and, and I still serve as that tour guide, not, not as strong as when he was, you know, a young child, but now it's, you know, it's, I, the way I explain it now to him is imagine like when you look at a boxer, most people think a boxer is an individual sport, but I look at it differently. A boxer has corner guys in the corner, you know, they're, they're there to, you know, make sure the cuts don't bleed over. They're there giving them a game plan. They're there, they're there giving them water. They're there. And then they, and then the bell rings and, and then they get out of the way and let, let the boxer go back to fighting. So I look at life like that. If you're a parent, it's like, when the child gets much older, you, you, you say, hey, man, I'm your corner guy, man. I'm, I'm, here, to, I'm here to give you what you need to, to get into this life and, and fight for what you got to fight for. I'm, I'm here. I'm your corner guy. And he understands that, you know, so. No doubt, man. That's, and it, it seems like you guys have a great relationship from just, you know, um, what you've said over the, over the last couple of years when we've been talking and everything. You know, another relationship that's out there and I'm curious to hear about it, is the arsonist. So you guys put out Lost in the Fire. You guys have unearthed some of that unreleased <laughs> music. <laughs> I know. Now, now we're getting to some yeah. of, the, some of the, the bumps in the road here, man. You know, like, what exactly is kind of the current yeah. state of the arsonists? And just that whole process, putting out Lost in the Fire and, you know, getting back in touch with the guys – what was that whole process like? If I'm speaking just the, for myself, <clears throat> the process for me, my responsibility to the whole thing was to help get them, gather the music and hand it in for Lost in the Fire. Uh, I was all for it. I didn't I didn't have much of a problem with the re-release of the album. For me personally, I had already moved on. My my career just, you know, I I, I didn't stop. I'm just speaking for myself. Um, you know, I put out Vengeance's Mind, Between Heaven and Hell, mixtapes, uh, Black Coffee, you know, and so on and so forth. Uh, the first, the, the two Stillwell albums, these bass out so I, I you know I, I i continued on in my journey and so when when destroy reached out and he asked me for my help me personally i didn't have a problem with that and and i helped exactly what he he asked me to help him in a certain way and that's what i did and i appreciate for me i appreciated that he found a way to get the music out. I, I you know, I, I had already given up on the idea because it, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy task to get done. I'm sure it could have been, but it just wasn't. And I think that I kind of look at it like you never know what the future holds, but as we get older, that, that door that, that window of opportunity becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, all I can say is 
I love those guys. You know, I love Freestyle, Jice, Swell, Destroy, Ching, Kinetic, uh, Spin One, Great Scott, Drastic. Everybody that was a part of that movement, I got a lot of love for. And I think that it's a shame that it kind of like went through this turbulence that doesn't allow it to be as beautiful as it should be. And it's like this bittersweet ending. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to make of it. Um, I understand everybody's point of view. So I'm not going to say, well, one guy is right and one guy is wrong. I understand what everybody's uh, uh, discrepancy is. And I'm, at this point, it's interesting because if, if, if you rewind to the arsonist back in the day, I was always in the, you know, I was, I was one of the kids in the front of the line trying to facilitate and make the, the machine move and, and, you know, be in the studio, get the songs done and blah, 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 blah. Now I fell to the back of the line where I'm just like watching things happen and, you know, I'll talk. And, and I think the only thing that bothers me is that when I talk, if I talk to freestyle, if I talk to swell or, or whatever, or even destroy, the conversation gets dark really fast. And I, and I hate that, you know, I, it, it breaks my heart because I don't, I don't, a, I don't want to bother them with that bullshit. And B, I just want to be able to get back. There was a time when, 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 and you can tell from the album As the World Burns, there was a time when we created music. The chemistry was ridiculous. The, the, we had so much fun doing not only that album, but prior to that, when we did the session single and the Venom and Seed single, and the Flashback and Blaze single, when we did those Fondalum records and the Searchlight record way before we were signed, it was even more fun. And that's when it was like we was struggling in the streets of Brooklyn and trying to figure things out, but we were having the time of our lives, you know? And it's interesting because the one thing I could say that's... Uh, Ironic. I don't know if ironic is the right word. I might be wrong, but I remember when we were about to sign to Matador Records, like we had the contracts in front of us. This was to get As the World Burns out on Matador Records. And I remember Freestyle said, I don't know, man, this feels like a bad move. And in hindsight, he's right. I could look at it now. There's, there was be Now, don't get me wrong. Matador Records in itself was an amazing label to be a part of. And what they did for our career is is insane. They they made us way bigger than what we were. But the arsonist on a whole, the, the, the interior of the arsonist just wasn't ready for all of that responsibility. Unfortunately, we were missing a glue, something that could have kept us together, something that could have made us think better. We didn't have that. We didn't have that. So fast forward now, and it's not all love 100%. And it's, it's, a, it's a sad, it's, it's, it's a sad, kind of a sad story, really. But we all still talk. We're all still like, well, we're brothers, man. And I, I, I you know, I guess 
brothers argue and and sometimes they don't see eye to eye and sometimes they ain't feeling each other and and they don't spend time and sometimes they don't talk for a long time and it's unfortunate because to me the one thing i'll say with confidence way before i say it about my own personal music is that that first arsonist album as the world burns is a masterpiece in my opinion and it's not only because i'm saying it it's because the reaction of the people that supported it the reaction from the media that wrote about it so we did something beautiful for hip-hop and that's the way i like to close that story at least at least at least we did something beautiful for hip-hop with as the world burns at least we got that at least we got that major positive period do you listen to as the world burns today like or is it too emotional to even do that I haven't listened to it in years, man. And I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't, you know what? I don't really listen to my albums like that. I don't, I don't, I don't review them. And it's funny because, <laughs> you know, when you're a young fan and you're listening to like, like you're listening to a rapper, right. And you love their first album and, and maybe by the time you get to their fifth album, you're like, yo, man, you should go back and listen to your own first album because that's when you were at your best. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and it's always like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't really listen to my own stuff, man. I, 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 I find that, I don't know, I just don't do it. Um, I'll listen to it when it's about to come out and, to review and make sure it's cohesive and to make sure I get a good vibe of what I'm listening to and, and try to lock into what it is that I did and all of that. But then once I let it go, you know, that's it. It's, it's done. I, and with something like as the world burns, I think it's the memory of making it that stays in my brain, you know, because we had, we had our own headquarters and, you know, we had our own recording studio and we went to D&D and we went to Galco's studio. We, you know, there's so many memories of what was going on. So I look towards that more than the album itself. And I think about the shows we did more than the album itself. But I'm well aware that without that album, none of that is, is, is none of that matters. So it, it, it's all, it all works hand in hand. But I haven't listened to that album in, in a long time. Do you do any do you, do you perform any arsonist songs still or do you not even do any arsonist songs? Actually, when I went out with Vinny, I uh, I did uh, Blaze, and then I performed uh, my verse from the song "14 Years of Rap." That's the arsonist nonfiction song that 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 a lot of people really dug from our era. So those are the two like super throwback songs that, that, that I get into with, with, with one arsonist song. I used to do like a little medley of arsonist songs and then I kind of like shied away from that and, and just got more and more into my own catalog of, of, of songs. So 
And now that the, the, the shows are so few and far between, I, I don't, you know, I don't know even what I would be doing next, you know, given, given the opportunity to perform. So who knows? No doubt. But you are still working with Destroy. I mean, it's safe to say there's no more arsonist music being yeah. created. Like that's, it's safe to say like we, we never have to address that again. Right now, currently, there is no arsonist music being made. Zero. Nothing. But you and Destroy are working on an album, you said. And I feel like... Yes. Yes, we are. We put together uh, about seven or eight songs. I got to I gotta wrap it up. He, he's waiting on it. <laughs> What's funny is, I'm usually waiting on him. And this time around, he's waiting on me to wrap things up and get them ready to uh, get out there. Um, what I was going to say about the arsonists, you, you mentioned songs, and I feel like judging by the response of those new songs, uh, people weren't really fully satisfied with what we uh, put out on that loss. I think they were more satisfied with the unreleased demos and not so much with the new songs that we put on there. That, that's the vibe that I got from the fans and, and that lost in the fires, uh, lost in the fire out. I think they really, really liked the unreleased demos because they, you know, you could feel the vibe, you could feel the era that they came from. So it was a nice little throwback, but I didn't, I didn't get too much feedback on those new songs, if any at all. So, you know, I kind of like kills the, the vibe for new songs. I think, I mean, just from my, like, I mean, I think chemistry is obviously this a real quality. It's, like, hard to measure, but it, you, it's one of those things you feel it. When it's there, it's there. And I think it's just because right. the chemistry really just doesn't feel like it's there in in the newer stuff compared to the demos. And, 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 you, and I think you're right. I think, see, unfortunately, the, the, here's the reality of it. When we recorded As the World Burns, when we recorded Date of Birth, all of that was done together in the same room, together, writing it together, putting it together together. Like we were all there, you know, and we had our own recording studio in, in, in Brooklyn. So that, you, you know, that, that's the most authentic way to have chemistry, to make something happen is when you're collaborating face to face. Now you fast forward and there's like a, a weird vibe in the air and then you're trying to get songs together and people are emailing verses. You're not going to get, you're not going to get for, for something like the arsonist, you're not going to get much of a chemistry out of that. Not when the two albums that we put out were built on being in the same room and having a good vibe between each other. They, they, it's like you said, you could read into that just by listening. So but what about you and Destroy? How's that? How's that project coming? It's coming dope, man. There's a lot of like. Um, Destroy is an interesting cat because he's another one that I think is is lyrically he's really skillful, and dynamically, like on stage, he's extremely entertaining. Um, he's. I'm happy that we're doing this. This is something that I've been attempting to do for years, actually. Surprisingly, I've been trying to do this with him for years. And I'm talking, I'd be like 10 years now, man, which is pretty insane that I've been 
holding on this long to do this. <laughs> um, he's, uh, is this expression, like when something is difficult to, to, to uh, you know, maintain or, or keep in line, it's like a shepherd herding, you know, when, when a shepherd herds sheep, in, in this case, it's like a shepherd herding cats, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's like it's hard to do, you know. So that that's that's what it's been like trying to, to trying to work with destroy. He's he's uh with with music, he's kind of like he's definitely hard to tie down and and and, and get uh get get to this point. If it's anything else, because you know he's done movies, he's done TV, you know he hosts for the NBA, for the NFL. So for those things, he's definitely way more focused. But for music, I think because I me mean, personally, I think the 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 tragedy of the arsonist is definitely something that, especially for him, because he's he's the number one founding member. So it's like for him, it's 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 very tragic, it's very heartbreaking, and he's really not a fan of the industry. And he's really, he's very, uh, uh, man, I don't, I don't even know what the word is, but he just does, he, he knows where the bullshit is and he's not a fan of it. He doesn't, he doesn't dig what people are trying to pass off as hip hop. And, and so that makes him almost like this, you know, one of those difficult artiste type of dude. He's like one of those guys, <laughs> you know what I mean? So. I've been I've been fortunate enough that he definitely you know uh, he obviously respects what I do. We, he and I have, he and I have created some great music together, and I've been able to at least get him to record verses and work with me in the same room and come to my studio and work out songs and stuff. So it it worked out well, man. And it's it's a different vibe. It's a different. There's a big difference between me working with Destroy than working with ill bill there's big difference there's, you know the, the 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 content the vibe the vibe of the beats changes drastically so you'll you'll be able to hear that once once we once we get uh get ready to release it so that's awesome yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that now how are you yeah. balancing working with someone like destroy but also you know you got king's bounty and you've got everything that's going on there like how do you switch modes and, and, and focus, like what's your big focus, you know, in the next few months? It's, it's not an easy, uh, it's not an easy balance for me. Um, <laughs> I know we started off the interview this way, but it's getting more and more challenging for me to do hip hop. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> so you say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is. Um, I, I, I've been, more and more you know what it is i'm progressing more in rock in a sense that now what, what's starting to happen something that's never happened before but what's happening now is that I'm, I'm i'm taking part in the songwriting process with a guitar which is something i never did before so that's changing my writing dynamic drastically my mind is is is, is going in a different direction now because now I'm picking up a guitar and I'm playing chords and I'm singing along and I'm coming up with choruses and verse ideas. And then myself and Mike sit down and, and he, he makes, he, you know, he goes in and he makes sense of what I'm doing and, and we're collaborating as songwriters. So it's changed. And that's why I'm saying it's like, 
hip hop is not made like that. So t- t- to go back and forth in your head and, and, uh, um, you know, be these two different animals to me is an interesting thing. I think somebody like Everlast, he's somebody that I admire greatly because he's been able to uh, maintain that for quite some time now where he, he does this interesting uh, uh, hybrid of, of hip hop and, and blues and, and rock. And, and, and I admire it a lot, man, because he, he does it well. He does it well, man. And, you know, he, he's, he's dope. So, I want to get that kind of a balance where where I could where I could uh, and I and I think that I have I, I think maybe I might even as I'm talking I'm thinking sometimes I just overthink things and and I, and I make it out to be more difficult than what it is I just got to sit down and do the work but it is it definitely is a challenge right now of of changing up my my uh, my moods and my modes from here and there so no doubt yeah I would imagine that that definitely gets hard to balance and doing everything well. Um, and Iron Mike, man, more work with Iron Mike. We talked about it. Um, that's an interesting album. That, that You know, that kid, Kieran, I, I give him a lot of props because he's been very patient. That's another project that started off a long time ago. And he was very patient, and he actually watched me progress into – into King's Bounty. He watched King's Bounty spawn from Iron Mike. And, you know, he was very supportive, very cool, and and very patient. And that's another album that I'm not sure how people received it. I saw some of the comments, and, and they were very favorable, but overall, I'm not sure how people received it. I think that when you do that kind of music, that there's more of an expectancy of performance. You know, what... what I always feel like with with rock, there's there's the anticipation of the performance, and unfortunately, in the case of what we did right now, currently, it doesn't look like that's ever going to happen. So, as far as doing more stuff, we definitely talked about it. Now it's just to see how and when we're going to do it, you know, and what would be the what would be the approach to show some sort of a difference from the Medina Bridge album. Because I think that that album is is cool for what it is, but I think that if when we if and when we return to it, we got to show some sort of growth as far as what it is that we do for Iron Mike. So let's see how that let's see how that all turns out. No doubt, I think that sounds great, man. You know, talk about your writing process real quick before we um, before we bounce, man. You know how do you write today and and does your writing process change switching from a, you know who you're working with or the type of style that you're you know whether it's rock rap rock or hip-hop like how does that change it changes per it changes per um Whoever I'm working with, it has to come along with some sort of an identity. So if I'm working with Iron Mike, there, there's the identity of, of the rap rock thing and and the way Kieran plays guitar and and his input into the direction of where we're going. When I'm working with King's Bounty, me and my, myself and Mike, we have a more experimental type of a sound where it, it, it falls into, in my opinion, 
it falls into the bracket of alternative music, alternative rock music. So what, what ends up happening with that in particular, see, the identity has more of a broad stroke where there's, there's nothing, nothing really, there's, there's no rules to that in a sense of, you know, we might do something slow and offbeat or we might do something aggressive, but it, it doesn't fall into a genre. Like, like if you said, hey, you're doing a metal album, then it better be metal. Like, it better be metal. Like, by, by the standards of what metal is, it's got to be metal. King's Bounty is not metal. It, it, like I said, it falls into an alternative bracket. So it gives me this musical freedom that I love. Like, that, that's the place where my, 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 my heart and my brain kind of, like, thrive because it's not confined to one specific line of, of music. So... That's why we, when we were talking about David Bowie, I admire somebody like that because in, in the movie he said, uh, uh, when, when you find yourself doing things just to, to please the audience, it, it's, not, it's dangerous for the artist. So you're trying to give them what they already uh, uh, know you for. So that's like me doing Vengeance is Mine 20 times. Like every album just sounds like Vengeance. See, I, me personally, I agree. I think that's dangerous. I think that... Uh, progress needs to be a part of an artist. You you have to show growth. You have to show you have to show them something, whether they love it or hate it, doesn't matter. You know. And I admire artists like that. I, I like looking at like like the Beatles, and and you and you see that they started out as like this boy band singing love. I, she loves you, yeah. And then you fast forward, and and they're doing something like a uh, Sergeant Pepper's, you know, or or if you listen to early Soundgarden, then you fast forward and you listen to like a super unknown and, and you hear the progress and the growth of that band. It's insane. And, and some, like, like I mentioned, like somebody like Everlast, if you listen to, you know, house of pain and then you fast forward to Whitey Ford and, and you listen to that, listen, listen to that progress. Listen to that. That's insane. That's insane. That that's incredible. You know, to hear that kind of progress and, and that kind of growth and that kind of diversity in the music. So that's what I like. So King's Bounty kind of feeds that. But Q Unique, I kind of, with, with the Q Unique stuff, I kind of sneak that in. Like when I did Iron Mike, you see it says Q Unique and Iron Mike. So I kind of snuck in a difference in there, in, in, in the Q Unique name, you know. Uh, you know, there's certain songs in the Q Unique uh, uh, catalog that are very different from what people might want to tag a, a Q Unique to. So, you know... I, they hear that that very aggressive music, and then you could go to Tony Touch's albums, and I'm on there, and I'm I'm doing a song with Tony Touch and Pitbull. You would have never expected that from me, you know. So things like that, I, I love doing. I love throwing curveballs, you know, and 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 making people like go like, where did that come from? You know, that's amazing. So that's important to me. No doubt. That. That's awesome, man. You know, and and I just appreciate your artistic, you know, the process, the way you talk about it, the work you're you're doing, and and how you can reflect on it, man. So, anytime we can we can talk and really, just you know, break down your music and what you do, man. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and you know, you 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 definitely you're you're amazing at what you do, and you always put me in a place where I. I really got to think and be on my toes and, and 
And not only that, but it helps me, like, you're one of the few people that help me recognize what it is that I'm doing, and it keeps me on my path, whether you know that or not. Now, now, obviously, now you do, but you're one of the few people that, as we talk and you ask me these questions and, and, and you, you open my mind to reflecting on what it is that I am doing, you know, it keeps me in line and it, 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 it keeps me motivated. 